Well, officially, good morning. It is good to be with you on this uh, bright and sunny morning. You all get an extra star this morning for being at the first service with this whole daylight savings thing. I'm hoping they do away with that. I don't know about you, but uh, kind of makes things just a little bit crazy a couple times a year. So this morning we uh, are, are uh, continuing in our series called Peeled, and this morning I am uh, speaking on patience. So one of uh, Paul's letters to the, the churches in Galatia, uh, he was talking about uh, living in the, the Spirit's power. We know that we find many of Paul's epistles in the New Testament. I want to share uh, these words with you from Galatians 5, 16 to 18, and then I'll pick up in verses 22 to 23. Hear these words. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be able to do what your sinful nature desires and craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions, but when you are directed by the, by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And then Paul continues in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Throughout this series, uh, we are going to talk about and peel back some of the various uh, attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And we don't get to choose which one. It's not a multiple choice. They're all one together. We're to embody all of these different attributes. Patience is hard for some of us and harder, uh, harder than uh, for others. We, I love that drama. I thought that they did such a great job with that. Uh, a few years ago, I thought I would start a, a new family tradition, and we would start it at Thanksgiving. I've got a friend uh, who loves to do puzzles. So she shared a couple of the puzzles uh, with me that she had already done. And so these puzzles, I mean, some of them have um, several hundred pieces, uh, some even up to a thousand pieces. And I thought, oh, this will be fun for us to get together to do these. Well, after about 20 minutes, I was able to match two of the pieces. And I quickly learned that I did not have the patience for puzzles. But I learned that my kids do, and they had more fun putting that puzzle together. So I enjoyed watching them, but it was torture for me. So I said, I am just not a puzzle person. Some of you may be in a situation right now that is requiring you to have patience. Some of you may be frazzled in this season, and you may be at your wit's end. We lose patience with people sometimes, right? I like to call them EGR, extra grace required. An image might have just popped in your head, so. Uh, and then uh, some of us have children, and we were all children at one time, right? And some of us are married and have a spouse, and it requires patience. So where in this season do you need to have patience right now? I want to share a story with you. Uh, it's about a couple that visited the Holy Land uh, over in Israel, and uh, the wife died unexpectedly when they were on this trip. And the husband, he met with the funeral director uh, over in Israel to discuss possible burial options, and he was explaining to the man that he could have his wife buried in Israel, in the Holy Land, and it would just be a very small expense. 
or she could be flown back to the States where it would cost thousands upon thousands of dollars. And so the, the man really went back and forth and he was trying to decide what to do and he decided to go ahead and have her flown home to the States. And so the funeral director uh, over in the Holy Land, he was just puzzled by this and he said, sir, if you don't mind if I could ask, what, what has made you decide to have her flown home and spend all that money when she could be buried here uh, in Israel? And the man explained to the funeral director, he says, you know, uh, uh, several years ago, a couple thousand years ago, there was a man who died and he was buried. And he rose three days later. And I just can't take that chance. <laughs> so he decided to fly her home. Of course, it's just a joke. We're all laughing this morning. It's good to laugh in church. So this morning, we're going to talk about patience. Patience, and I know Tim spoke about this a few weeks ago. But this morning we're gonna we're gonna dig deep uh, into the topic of patience through the life of Job. And I don't know if any of you have read the book of Job, but I would just want to encourage you to take some time to read through that and what we can uh, learn about Job. And again, we find uh, his story in the Old Testament. And scholars say that it's one of the oldest books in the New or in the Old Testament, even before the law was given to Moses. And I just want to share a little bit about Job. He was a, a prosperous farmer, and he had thousands of animals, sheep, camels, and other livestock. He was blessed with a large family, and he had many servants. And he had everything that a person could want. A successful business, money, a beautiful ranch, numerous friends, and a large, happy family. He was also a man of God, strong faith, uh, who trusted God. Job is job can't talk this morning. Job, this is what happens when they change the time. <laughs> the talking didn't come with it this morning. Uh, Job is described as blameless and upright. Life was good and he was experiencing abundant blessings. I just love this, blameless and upright. Don't we all want to uh, have someone say that about our lives at the end of the day? Blameless and upright. So the story goes, God and Satan are having this conversation. And Satan suggests that the only reason that Job trusts God and worships God is because everything is going well for him. He is successful and wealthy and he's happy. And, and, and God disagrees. He disagrees with Satan because he knows Job's heart and his steadfast faith in him. And thus the testing of Job's faith and patience begin. You see, when life is good, we are praising and thanking God. But for some, when the challenges come, and they do, they do in all kinds of ways, we have a tendency to curse or blame God for our troubles. Isn't that just what Satan wants? It's what he wanted Job to do, and he, what he wants many of us to do as well. So I'm going to give you a bit of a, a Cliff Notes version this morning on Job. And Sarah had shared this earlier, and I want to share it again just to let it soak in. So uh, hear these words from Job 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news. Your oxygen, ox now I just said oxygen. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. 
And while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. You guessed it, I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home, and suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house from all sides, and the house collapsed. And all your children are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And Job stood up, and he tore his robe in grief. And then he shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship, and he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. And then this, this second test came. And Job is afflicted with all of these painful sores all over his body from the top of his head to the toes of his feet. And as Sarah said, he even broke off the clay pots to, to, to scratch because the itching was so bad. And, and as his wife responded, I don't know if you caught this earlier, but she says to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Now remember this joke that I just shared a little earlier, right? Uh, and and his, um, about the wife dying and worrying that she would come back to life. I just have this feeling, you know, as, as, I, as she makes this statement, you just wonder if, if Job is thinking, oh my gosh, this is how my wife responds. And I can only imagine that that little statement's going to come up in marriage counseling sometime later, right? <laughs> Maintain your to curse God and die. Okay. But, but Job replies, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from God, from the hand of God, and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. And then he has some friends to come visit, right? It's what we do. When we've, we've got uh, friends that are sick, we, we like to show up uh, to be there, to be a presence, to help them. Uh, and likewise, people will show up for us as well. So in Job 2, hear these words. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namahite. And when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and they threw dust uh, into the air over their heads to show their grief. And then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So the three Friends, they come to visit, and, and Job, he is agonizing at this point. He's lost his animals, some of his, his uh, family. He's been afflicted with these horrible sores. And his friends, they come to visit to cheer him up. Yet when the silence broke after those seven days, their words didn't bode helpful. They sat with him for seven days, and then they began to offer their advice. They tried to convince him that he must be suffering because of a terrible sin he committed. They try to persuade him to repent of his sin, but Job speaks up for himself and he says that he hasn't sinned enough to deserve all of this. You see, we can never assume that suffering is because of a person's own fault or a result of sin. And this is some of the advice that they gave to Job. Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, I always want to say the termite. I don't know about you, but when you read this, hopefully I'm not the only one, right? So Eliphaz, uh, he says, go to God and lay your cause before him. And Job says, take back 
your accusations. And then Bildad says, how long will you go on like this? And Job responds, I will say to God, what charges do you have against me? And then Zophar says, get rid of your sins. And Job responds that he is not guilty. You see, people mean well, don't they? They mean well. We think that we have all of the answers, or we, we think that we have to give all of the right answers when we see someone suffering. Oftentimes, our friends and family are just grateful when we show up and listen. Sometimes there are no right words, and that's okay. So as the scripture continues, Job has this pity party. And he's going back and forth with God of, of why and why am I suffering? And that's okay. God, God can handle those conversations. And he cries out to God, cries out in all of these questions. Here are these words from Job chapter 40. And then the Lord says to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have all the answers? And then Job replied to God, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already, and I have nothing more to say. And then in this moment, Job humbles himself, humbles himself before God. And God and Job have this moment, and Job is restored. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than the beginning. He had thousands of sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys, three more daughters and three more sons. Scripture tells us that Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. And then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. Job is a story of patience, of humility, of trust, of faith, and of endurance. We can learn a lot from Job and his friends and family. See, life happens. We get frustrated. We get discouraged at times. We endure hardships. And we have to dig deep for patience. And we face challenges. And we all do at some point in some shape or form. And sometimes we can't change the situation. We've been in those type of situations where we can't change the situation. So if you find yourself in that type of situation where it can't change, ask God to change your attitude towards it. I heard this saying the other day, every storm eventually runs out of rain. Every storm eventually runs out of rain. But God never leaves us or forsakes us. There may be a blessing in everything that tests our patience. Sometimes we just don't see it at the time. We, uh, we all have parents, right? And when we were children, and especially teenagers, uh, sometimes they didn't always like us for the things that we did. Some of you might be able to relate to that. But they always loved us. And we have a Heavenly Father who loves us even when he doesn't like the things that we are doing. You see, we don't have a conditional God. He loves us all the time, and he shares in our sorrows. He shares in our joys, in the good times and in the bad times. And he forgives us when we mess up. So why should our relationship be conditional with him? Only praising him in the good times and blaming him when the bad times come. It's not how it works. We've got to learn to trust 
in God. I love Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not of your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I want to share a, a helpful acronym with you this morning when we face challenges. And in, the, in these, um, these, this makes up the word worship. And I'm going to share a couple different things with the word worship. So W, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. The O is offer our lives as a living sacrifice. The R is to rest in his presence. S is to sing unto him. I've recently started doing this in my prayer time. Sometimes just a, uh, just a verse will come to my mind as I'm in my prayer time and devotion time. The H, humble ourselves before him. The I, intentional time with God. And, I, and again, that drama was just spot on. How are we carving out that time to have intentional time with God? Intentional time with God, the I. And then P, praise him. Praise him. Worship. Wait upon the Lord. Offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Rest in his presence. Sing unto him. Humble ourselves before him. Intentional time with God and to praise him. We are in the season of Lent, as you know. And there are many of us that will, will choose to deny ourselves or give something up for Lent. But to me, we can never fully understand the suffering that Christ experienced for each and every one of us. So I have never been one to give something up. And as I learn more about Jesus, his ministry, and his teaching, the more I see that Jesus wants us to imitate and to do the things that he did to grow his kingdom here on earth. So I'd like to offer you an, an invitation and challenge as we are in this Lenten season to do something different. I challenge you as we strive to become more Christ-like in our behavior to choose one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, to peel back the layers that you want to cultivate and work on in this season that we are in. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us pray. Father, we come before you and we just thank you for this opportunity that we gather to worship and praise you this day. God, we thank you for stories like Job, because some of us are in a season like Job, and it's hard. But God, may we take comfort that you are with us in the good days and in the bad days. And the reminder that sometimes we don't have to have all the right words. Just showing up makes a difference. So God, I pray for this season of Lent that we would embrace the fruit of the Spirit. God, I just pray in this moment that you would speak to us and that we would be in one accord with what attribute we're going to work on over these next few weeks. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, 